This is 51st Dates, and I'm your host, Jolie Moore. They say that hindsight is 2020. I decided to find out if that's true. Every week, I'm going to read a chapter from my memoir, 51st Dates, and give you the backstory and commentary on what really went down. It's been two whole years since I went on these dates, and I'll be experiencing them along with you as I read. We'll find out together if my future self learned anything. I don't know if I have anything figured out, but at least we'll share some laughs along the way. Dating in Southern California is nothing if not entertaining. Ready? Strap in. Let's go. Hi, this is Jolie Moore, and I'm about to read to you uh, date number 11. But I was just walking to the post office, which actually comes up later. I tend to do that a lot. And I was listening to a podcast um, from 2019, not new, where the host was talking about heuristics. And um, I'll give you a quick definition. Um, A heuristic is a mental shortcut that allows people to make decisions quickly and efficiently. Um, Basically, it's the way you feel um, influences the decision that you make. And he was talking about it in regards to dating and how, especially when you're online dating and swiping, at some point, Um, the stimuli, the input from all the different profiles can be overwhelming to the human brain. Um, Actually, last year, I read a number of books about decision-making and how humans have only so many decisions a day. Um, And you eventually run out, your brain gets tired um, and your capacity to make rational, effective decisions lessons um, as the day wears on. So actually they gave some interesting examples about, you know, judges who made great decisions in the morning and not so great in the afternoon. Um, I think one of the examples was regarding an immigration judge. And I thought, great, if you need immigration at 9 a.m., yay. If you need immigration at 1.30 in the afternoon, not so much. Um, And, but the host was discussing that eventually you, when you're swiping, I don't know, when you get to person 50 or whatever it may be, your uh, emotional brain takes over and your rational brain takes a powder. And I was thinking about that in terms of uh, this date, actually, specifically, because I knew I was going to come back and record after my little jaunt outside. Um, And one of the things he was talking about is people ghosting you and how even though it may hurt in the moment depending on the emotional investment that you have made that really it's a favor to you people are showing you who they are they're exiting from your life they're saving you time and you can move on to somebody who may be more worthy of your time who's not a flake or whatever the issue may be that caused them to ghost I mean, they're, they're ghosting, they're not your person. Because if they were your person, they would stick around. And um, I was thinking about that. And the other thing he was discussing was when people ghost you, it's usually not out of the blue. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who ghosts you after, like, you know, three texts on Bumble. That, you know, who knows. But 
if somebody ghosts you after one date, two dates, a month, whatever, five years, which actually I read an advice column about that recently. That was crazy. If somebody ghosts you after um, a period of time, it is usually not a surprise. It may feel like a surprise, but there were probably a bunch of red flags along the way. The other thing that he was talking about that was sort of interesting was the idea of going on a second date when you're not like hell yes about the first date. And actually, it's something I'm going to really think about um, because a lot of dating um, articles suggest, um, especially for women, that you should give people a second chance, you know, what if they were nervous or they weren't, you know, doing their best, whatever, <laughs> they weren't on their best dating behavior, I don't know. Um, and if the date wasn't a hell no, you should give it a second chance. And I have done that um, quite a bit, but I'm starting to think that maybe if dating is sorting, then and sorting faster is better than sorting slower or more slowly, then is there truly a benefit to going on a second date where there was no sort of hell yes or a feeling of a connection? I don't know. I'm really going to parse it out because part of the issue with not feeling a connection when you're like avoidant or um, have sought out a lot of unhealthy attachments in the past is that, you know, your brain gets all excited by the unavailable like wackadoodle person and the calmer person may not excite you. But the flip side of that is if you're emotionally, we're back to the heuristics again, if you're emotionally having a feeling that doesn't sort of sit right with you, then how many dates do you go on before cutting that off? So just something to think about, I guess. Um, Let me get to 11. Chapter 11, The Gay Bar, February 23rd. I swear to God I nearly died from two weeks of texting. The anticipation of seeing Classic Car Guy was almost too much to bear. So on Friday, I get a text from him. Classic Car, what's the plan? Me? Do you want to come over around 6.30 or 7? Movie? Dinner in? Classic Car, yes. That sounds fine. He'd mentioned that it was getting chilly outside and a movie night would be a good idea. The code was clear. He was interested in more intimacy than the first date. And despite what I'd said to Thunderbolt, I was willing to make an exception because, well, sex with a cute guy. I lazily sat around all day waiting for the hours to pass. At 7, I started to get nervous. At 8, I was feeling like I wouldn't see him. Then at 8.22 p.m., a text came in. I was loath to read it. But I did, because I believe in ripping off band-aids. Classic car. Hey, can I have a rain check for tomorrow, if possible? Just get out of the shower. I'm a bit too tired to get behind the wheel again. He'd been behind the wheel driving all over Southern California, as far away as Palm Springs, sourcing classic car parts. I don't know who I was angrier at. Him for the no-show, or myself for wanting to see him so much. There was so much I wanted to say, but I decided to do Cool Girl. She did not react. She moved on. Me, 
Sure, let's talk later. So I pulled off all the clothes, the velvet leggings, the carefully fluffed cashmere top. I traded it all for pajamas and tried not to feel too sorry for myself. Then I did the thing all the advice columns said when a guy ghosted you. Get back to your life. For me, that involved going to the gym and tiring myself out during spinning class, writing, then meeting up with a friend for a very long walk along Venice Beach. It was during this walk that my phone pinged, of course. My friend said that I shouldn't answer him, but I couldn't resist. Classic car, hola. I texted him a picture of the Pacific Ocean and pier in response. Classic car, donde estas? Which means, where are you? Me, Venice, you, classic car. I'm so jealous. Nice. To throw a little more shade on the situation, I texted a full body pic my friend had just taken of me. I didn't add any more words. Classic car. Very nice. I'm here at home, cleaning up. I put the phone away so I could focus on my friend again. We walked another hour or so and chatted before I started the drive back home. While I was driving, the car buzzed and read a text to me. Classic car. Hi there. I channeled all the cool girl energy I could find in the air along Venice Boulevard. Me, what's up? Classic car, how was your day at the beach? Me, the beach was great. I spent some time with a friend just walking along the shore. I'm on Venice Boulevard now driving home. I turned up the music waiting for the next text that I knew was coming. Classic car, any plans? Me, not yet. I sent the text and paused a long moment through a few stoplights. Then I prompted my car to text again. Me, you could change that. Classic car, perfect. Let me do that. Your place, same as yesterday? Me, sure, why not? Classic car, call me when you get home. I'll let you drive. You looked great in your picture, by the way. So I did it again. Exfoliated, washed the hair, brushed that, brushed it out, plucked the stray hair, spritzed on perfume, pulled on the sweater and the leggings, zipped up the boots, got ready. Forfeited the tickets I'd bought to a talk on love, sex, and relationships. I had to make a trade-off between doing it and talking about it. I cracked open a bottle of wine and waited patiently. Well, I was impatient, but traffic in Los Angeles is no joke, and I couldn't make him materialize any faster if I wished upon a star. I tried a lot of things to calm my nerves. It had been two long weeks of texting, and I had zero idea of the fantasies that had filled my head would live up to the reality. I took out two glasses and poured one. I left it on the counter so I didn't down it like that first date. I took myself to my dining room banquette and attempted to write. When I stopped checking the parking in the back, I finally did settle in and wrote a few good pages. Then he pulled in. I led him through the back door and mudroom and he came into the kitchen. Hi, I said. It was the best I could do. It was all I could do. The nerves had come back again with a vengeance. You okay, he asked. I, uh, it takes me a few minutes to switch from writing to real life, I said. That wasn't entirely true, but it was the best I could come up with. Because standing in my kitchen, sipping wine, was the guy from The Amazing Date. He looked and smelled as good as he had before. Only he was in my kitchen. In my kitchen. We talked about something. His brother, his travels, Audi lovers. That's all I can remember because I was too nervous to take in much. Eventually, I pulled some kind of Trader Joe's puff pastry appetizers from the oven and fed him. At some point, he took the wine and our glasses to the living room so we could get comfortable. After a couple of hours and a bottle of wine later, he popped up. 
Let's go out. Out? Music, people, let's get an Uber. Fortunately, weeks ago, I had cribbed a list of popular bars and hangouts from a friend with a husband in the business. I picked a place and ordered up the car. When the two-minute warning came up on my phone screen, we bounded down the stairs and along the walkway toward the street. You haven't kissed me yet, he prompted. So I did. Made me all warm and fuzzy on the inside. Warmer and fuzzier than all of that wine. The Uber pulled up and he grabbed my hand and helped me into the car, but didn't let go. Ten minutes later, we hopped out on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood. During the day, the restaurants on the street are full of people waiting for eggs and pancakes, avocado toast, and Benedict. The same restaurants at night, turns out, are a different story entirely. It took a few seconds before my eyes adjusted. The bartenders were indeed without shirts. The tables had nearly naked male go-go dancers on them. Klaskari looked at me and shrugged. Where do you want to sit? There was a booth in one corner, but it was under the speakers, so we pulled up two bar stools instead. He got a beer of some sort, and I ordered a large club soda. The problem with splitting a bottle of wine is that it's hard to tell how much I drank. In no way did I want to go back to that first night. I needed to keep my wits about me somehow. Wits, it turned out, may have been overrated. Classic Artai took a seat on the barstool facing me. I took another seat facing him. He leaned forward, tucked my hair behind my ear, slipped his hands along my neck, drew me close, and kissed me deep. Bartenders must have a front row seat to human mating rituals, because that's what this bare-chested one witnessed. Classic car guy and me kissing desperately on the edge between making out and going too damned far. Two drinks in. I gave in and had a couple of vodka Collinses. In a couple of hours of talking and kissing, we decided it was time to go back to my place. The Uber ride was even shorter than the one there, a mere five minutes. In seconds, we walked hand in hand from the car up the stairs and into my apartment. I dimmed the lights long before he'd arrived. There were only two Edison bulbs lighting the living room. He shrugged out of the sport coat he wore, lay back on my couch, and took me with him. Weeks of pent-up anticipation overtook us both, and before I knew it, we were both naked from the waist down. I both had and hadn't bargained for things to go this far. In either case, not this quickly. I have to tell you something, I said, laying a hand against his naked chest. He was breathing fast. What? I have my period. Trust me on this. It wasn't something I really wanted to share. But he moved to the top of the need-to-know list. Is that why you shied away from me? I didn't think I had. Maybe when he'd been rubbing the inside of my thigh at the bar. I couldn't exactly remember with my brain flooded with wine and vodka and lust. There weren't any more words. Instead, he moved. I moved, and in the next few minutes, we were joined together, moving in rhythm. Despite the fears Thunderbolt had introduced, we were good together that time and the five other times that night. In between and after, I slept better than I had in months. It was actually a text from a friend that woke me. Friend, want to have lunch with you? What days are you free? Me, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Text tone woke me. Guy's still here. I'm exhausted. I don't know how people do this. Friend, want me to go home? You can pretend this text is an emergency. I was sitting on the wingback chair in the corner of my bedroom. I looked at the blue linen duvet cover where he was hidden underneath and most certainly wasn't ready for him to go home. Me? Not yet. Friend, sorry for waking you. You're usually an early riser. Me? No worries. I usually don't stay up late. All these guys love to hang out way too late. Why can't I have sex at a reasonable hour like, say, 8 p.m. and not midnight? Then I texted her a picture of my bed, the only parts of classic car guy that were visible were the four fingers of his right hand. 
Me, he's in there somewhere, friend, lol. We agreed to meet up for the notorious RBG exhibit at the Skirball. I tossed the phone onto my rug, then climbed back in bed with classic car guy and woke him, kissed him, and initiated a rematch. After he asked to use my shower, cleaned himself up, then kissed me, or I kissed him, and in an hour, he needed another shower. At some point, I saw him out. Then I promptly returned to the now-defiled couch and went straight to sleep. It was another text tone that woke me up. Classic car, I miss being inside you. Me, it was great having you inside me. Classic car, I think the weekends are for me being inside you, sleeping next to you. First thing Monday morning, he texted again. All the feelings I had about being stood up on Friday had nearly evaporated. Classic car, good morning. Me, good morning to you. How was your Sunday? Classic car, not very good. You left me craving you. Me, that's a good problem to have. Classic car, not when you're around. I can still smell you. How was yours? Me, deciding to tell the truth for once. I hung out with a friend and thought about you. Classic car, in Spanish. Let me say again that I love your body with so many curves. Mi boricua. Which means my Puerto Rican girl. Siri, me. Siri does not read Spanish. I'd been driving from the gym. Classic car. But you do. Keep going to the gym. I notice the new curves in your thighs and legs. You, my dear, are extremely intelligent. And I find you very attractive. I had a big smile on my face when I woke up in bed next to you. Me, your face and hands and... We're good to wake up to. Classic car. And say what you feel. I put my phone down and did a turn around the kitchen. This was not a case of me saying what I feel. It was a case of me talking about penises. But I did, because when it comes to texts, it's clear that I don't have any boundaries. Me and, oh my God, I spent the whole day writing about penises, and I have about a thousand words for them. I enjoyed waking up to yours. But honestly, I try to keep my texts R-rated at most. So there it is. Classic car. You spent the day writing about us? Not asking for X-rated, but thanks. Feel go- feels good to hear that. The small of your back drives me crazy, and I also love your shoulders. Now, I have to take a break from all this texting to say that when I talk to him, this guy acts like he has no game. Honestly, he has all the game. Me. I spend the day writing about couples, dating, and relationships. It's the bread and butter of the romance genre. The couples change, the settings change, but at its core, it's all about relationships and sex. I don't write about myself or people I know. That would be some kind of violation, I think. It's all imagination. Also, talking about feelings isn't my strong suit. The last was the biggest understatement of all time, which is why I imagined so much of our relationship was taking place via text was maybe surviving those in-between times because of texting. Other guys had quickly given up on me when I got all emotionally constipated. Classic car, I understand, was just curious. It wouldn't bother me at all, to be honest. I guess if it was good things, right, then in Spanish. Well, I hope you enjoy your work day, and I hope to see you again soon. Take care. I already miss you. A few hours later, my car alerted me to a text. Siri read it in her creepily officious voice. Classic car, just wanted to say hello, had a nap, and was dreaming of you. Me? Now that's something I'd like to hear more about. Glad you got some sleep. Classic car, it was very nice, actually. It's like a clip that keeps rolling in my head. This wasn't the first time he'd texted about dreaming about me. He'd dreamt about me while he was in Central America. And then I I was in a bathing suit swimming next to him in the Caribbean. 
but I didn't have such vivid dreams myself. But it did sound nice. There was only a single blemish on the Saturday night with classic car guy. I'd made a huge, huge mistake. A teenage girl's mistake. A rookie mistake. I'd had sex with him without a condom. Not once, not twice, but six times. I had zero idea why I'd done this. I'd never done it before in my entire life. My son was conceived in less times than I had sex with classic car guy. Every other time I'd had sex in my life, I'd worn a condom. I'd offered one to Drummer Boy, one to Just In Time, and two to Thunderbolt. I wanted to blame my period and too many drinks, but I didn't think that was it. I think I was stupidly somehow thought it would bring me closer to him. That's all I can figure. Either way, I promptly called my primary physician on Tuesday and made an appointment for STD testing because I hadn't lost all my marbles. I don't even know what to say. Desperation is not a good look. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry to laugh into the mic. I am laughing because I'm feeling slightly humiliated. I cannot believe. Oh, there's so many issues. I think I mentioned earlier on that um, my editor... uh, in one of her emails had said to me that this book was a cautionary tale. You know, I thought before I had no idea what she was talking about. And now I think maybe the cautionary tale is for me. There are so many fucking issues here that I can't even with it. I swear to God, my therapist must look at me and be like, this girl's fucked up. Okay. First of all, who goes out with somebody who stands them up and like, Literally, he was like, well, I drove to Palm Springs looking for, I don't even remember what the fuck it was, some sort of car park. And um, I don't know. And he was too tired to uh, go on a date that he had planned and asked for after like two weeks of texting while he was away. So he landed um, and he actually texted me when he landed. And I was like, yay, which is when I think we made this date. Um, and he claimed to be jet lagged or whatever, which is fine. I, I am very familiar with jet lag. Um, so he texted when he landed and he's like, I landed, let's go on a date. I can't wait to see you. And then he stands me up because car parts are more interesting than a date. And look, I understand maybe like if I had like a sixties car and I had to go buy parts and maybe parts aren't easily sourced for cars that are like oh my god, like 60 years old, 50 years old, that's old. Um, Maybe then, you know, I don't even know. Like, But at the point he stood me up, I should have walked away. I can say this from the future so clearly because that's not a good look. Like who's pursuing you and then doesn't show up? And then he was never on time. So for this date, I don't know, maybe he said he'd be here at 8, and he showed up at, I don't know, 9, 9.30. I don't know. Like, And he lived, I think, we'll talk about that later, um, in like somewhere near, like I don't know, like east of Pasadena. So I often, actually, I often, I can't remember the last time I drove to Pasadena because it's like 20 miles, and, you know, it'll take your life <laughs> in that car just being in that car for so long. 
So, you know, Pasadena's lovely. It's got beautiful trees and it has an East Coast feel and you can get like a good um, English tea and there's gardens and it's, you know, lovely. I don't live over there. Um, and uh, so I don't drive over there because it does take time. But this is a person who pursued me and knew where I lived. Um, you know, West Hollywood, it's not unknown. It's a little gay mecca right in the center um, of Los Angeles. You know, Los Angeles surrounds it on, I think, maybe three sides. And Beverly Hills is on the west side of um, West Hollywood, which is like a few square miles tops. I should know this. I don't know this. And... um Look, I moved here for the rent control apartment, all right? So I, like, honestly don't know, like, how taken for granted I can be with a guy that shows up late. And then the other thing that sort of bothers me about this, we're not even going to discuss the unprotected sex because that's like a shit show I can't even with. The thing that I think that bothers me the most about reading this date was a thing that I'm starting to think is a trend and, you know, happens more than once in this memoir and I never really thought about it. The number of men who tried to spend time trying to get me to drink, presumably to lower my inhibitions. Look, I'm 5'2". I, you know, it doesn't take a lot. I don't drink enough to, I guess, have a high tolerance for alcohol. So, you know, two drinks and I'm a little like, Lucy goosey and I'm starting to wonder if like Thunderbolt or this guy or whatever spend their time trying to get me to drink so I am what more willing to have sex with them I don't know that's like not what it wasn't that I'm not it ain't I'm very easy it's not that hard but like what is that like I have never like invited somebody to my house and like plied them with drinks to get them to do what I mean we've all heard of whiskey dick so that's like never a good idea But I am starting to wonder why it is that these men are so interested in um, plying plying me with drinks. Is it like an overt or covert manipulation tactic so I don't look too deeply at who they are? I don't even know. Right now I'm sitting like in a pool of shame and humiliation because I feel like, actually, I don't know, that I come across really badly. I seem, I feel like I come across desperate and needy and weird and not nearly as cool as I thought. I don't know. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to say is, A, okay, so West Hollywood is like this gay mecca in the middle of Los Angeles, and um, it does have a lot of gay bars. And the thing, and fewer than they used to, I guess with online dating, supposedly gay bars are like really struggling and God knows in the pandemic what has happened because they've been closed mostly. Um, the reason that I've gone to gay bars in the past, that's not like a thing I do all the time. I mean, I have those friends, those girlfriends who are heterosexual who spend a lot of time in gay bars. I only do it occasionally, mainly because men don't hit on you because um, they're not interested in you at all. Um, this bar, I should say, and you know, there may be a picture online. I don't know. It may be too dark and maybe I never posted it and just texted my friends, but, um, they are dark. The bartenders never seem to have any clothes on. The go-go dancers only seem to have like, I don't know, like, um, like a speedo type thing, usually with like no butt. So I don't even know what that is. Like a cock sheath. I don't know enough about that. Um, and they're dancing on tables naked and they're always very pretty. Um, but, um. 
So, but anyway, mainly go because um, nobody bothers you. Um, and we were not the only heterosexual couple in the gay bar. Um, so there's that, there's the drinking. And then I don't even know, like in retrospect, to be frank, I cannot see what I saw in the sky. Like he seems like a flake and there are other issues that come up later, but I mean, I don't even know. I mean, he was not one to ask about anything. Like people don't, I don't even know if people ask about consent anymore. I think that either I don't have sufficient boundaries. Well, actually that's, I know that's true, um, around men and dating and sex, but, um, if I did, I guess they really spend a lot of time trying to push past them. Oh, you know, the last thing I want to mention is that I realized that he texts a lot in Spanish and I translate 90% of it in the book, but sometimes I don't. Um, but I'll try to translate it then. But he did not say it twice in English and Spanish. He either said it in English or Spanish. Um, but Siri, it's true. Siri does not read Spanish. Uh, maybe she does if you switch to Spanish, but then she wouldn't read English. What I wish is that Siri could just read to you in like a whole bunch of languages because like it seems like a sophisticated enough system that you can do language detection and then she could just switch. But indeed, she does not. And it's really awkward when she's reading in English and then she switches to Spanish. So um, whenever he texted and I was in the car, sometimes I had to just wait until later to figure out what he had said. Um, I don't even know what to say. I really hope sincerely that I am never this person again and that this era of my life has come to an end because it's truly not a good look. I'm Jolie Moore and this has been 51st Dates, the podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I hope you'll share, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. It will help others find the craziness that is dating in Southern California. Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you'd like to read ahead, my memoir, 51st Dates, is available wherever books are sold. A link is always included in the show notes. I'm also a romance writer. If you want to know more about my books, please visit joliemore.com for more information. You can also follow me on Instagram at xojoliemore and on all social media at the same handle, XO Jolie Moore. Thanks for listening, and I'll be in your ears next week.